0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Nothing to Hide. My name is Kevin. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about authenticity. I was uh, wrapping up this book I was reading uh, by the author. I know I'm probably going to butcher the name. He's a Canadian author, Neil Pashrisha, who uh, is from from Canada. He's Canadian. I believe he grew up in Toronto. And... um, This uh, secret last chapter of his book, The Happiness Equation, um, really stood out to me. And it really spoke to me as far as uh, how far or what authenticity means. Um, Just to read uh, this one, um, I guess, quote from his book, it goes... 97% of lung cancer patients are smokers and 97% of smokers never get lung cancer. A little bit of a contradiction there. And the reason why this chapter stood out to me about authenticity was because we get so caught up with the information we're being bombarded with, as well as the information we seek out, you know? one day they say uh, wine is good for you a glass of wine a day and then the next it's it's not good for you alcohol is not good for you you know you hear things like um, you know um, cholesterol is bad for you and then you have people saying cholesterol is good for you there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterols fat is bad for you fat is good for you and so it really kind of drew me to this idea of, you know, who are we, right? Like, are we, are we sons, daughters? Are we engineers, um, frontline workers? Are we, you know, are we, um, are we the hair, that hairstyle that we wear? Or are we the... The clothes that we wear or the music that we listen to or the movies that we watch. And obviously, based on a lot of the readings I've done um, on on Buddhism, it's a common question that's, that's asked, you know, who are we? And the common answer is we're all of those things and we're none of those things, right? At the same time. And so obviously this period where we're looking for a vaccine and the concerns the the non-vax vax vaccinators or people that choose not to do any vaccines and then there's people that are very pro-vaccines it 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 made me ask myself you know typically I don't I don't take the flu shot my doctor has told me that um, I'm still in the age range where I'm young enough that I, I don't need to. I'm not at risk and, um, and so there's no urgency around that. Of course, if you have underlying health conditions, which I do not, or you have perhaps um, apparently if you're very overweight, you're very susceptible to um, having some severe flu-like symptoms uh, with or without COVID. Um, if you're elderly, so on and so forth, and I pose this question to uh, a few uh, good friends of mine, and they're very anti-vaccine. However, for me, I my parents are both still alive, fortunately, and and uh, they're although they are getting into their elderly years. Um, I still enjoy spending a lot of time with them and, um, and helping them any way I can. And I know that it, the responsible thing for me to do would be if and when a vaccine is available, and obviously there's a high probability of it working against uh, COVID-19, I would then consider taking it for the sake of um, my friends and family. So, it's not—it is, of course, for me to avoid it, but more so to protect those that I care for. So, back to um, this headline of uh, you know, ninety-seven percent of lung cancer patients are smokers, and ninety-seven percent of smokers never get lung cancer. Um, there's a, a paragraph here where it goes from the book, The Happiness Equation. I remember a CEO telling me this once when I told him some people liked the new corporate meeting and some people didn't. I looked at him. Don't take advice? Really? You've done your research. You're, you own the meeting. You don't have to worry what anyone thinks, he said. You get to decide. And remember that all advice conflicts. You can twist advice any which way to make any point you want. Have you heard that 97% of lung cancer patients are smokers and 97% of smokers never get lung cancer? I stared at him blankly. I didn't know that that was true, but my brain was lighting up just thinking about it. He was challenging me. He always did. You make up your own mind. My advice is to become creatively indifferent to all advice. Hear it, but decide what to do yourself. He paused and then said it one more time. Don't take advice. And uh, that, that really stood out to me. And it's, it's not to say that, you know, especially during this time where government officials are still recommending we maintain social distancing and um, to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. Even within that, it sounds like the government is conflicted with whether or not they want to... They want to recommend that and so it's really your responsibility to take advice um, almost with a grain of salt and determine for yourself what is true for you. Um, The next page of the happiness equation goes on to say While clicking around those newspaper websites with opposing headlines, I asked myself, what advice is most commonly accepted as truth? Be happy first? Do it for you? Remember the lottery? No. What advice do we all know regardless of our background or experiences? It suddenly hit me. Cliches. Advice that's been said so many times has become well known to everybody. A rolling stone gathers no moss. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Actions speak louder than words. We all know clichés. But what is a cliché anyway? Cliché, an expression or idea which has been used and overused because it is or was once considered meaningful. And he has this uh, comparison of how even clichés conflict with each other. For example, defense wins championships, and yet the best defense is a good offense. Birds of a feather flock together, and then yet you have opposites attract. You're never too old to learn, yet you have you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Clothes make the man, you can't judge a book by its cover. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, out of sight, out of mind. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, better safe than sorry. You get what you pay for, the best things in life are free. Good things come to those who wait. The early bird gets the worm. The pen is mightier than the sword. Actions speak louder than words. So even within the realm of cliches, which we often, will, many of us are susceptible to saying, depending on the situation, there's almost a counter cliche for every cliche that's out there. It's really important, as long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself, being you is so incredibly important. There's a moment when the author shares the equation, when there are no enemies within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Well, I couldn't find the quote for what I was looking for. But um, there is this um, palliative nurse in Australia who spent years uh, taking care of the dying during their last months of, uh, of life. And when questioned about any regrets they had or anything they would do differently, there were common themes that surfaced again and again. Uh, the five greatest regrets of the dying are, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish that I had let myself be happier. Um, Neil goes on to say, What happens if you be you and be cool with it? Well, I would argue if you're being yourself, then you do live a life true to yourself. You do overvalue your time and find a job that fits your life. You do express your feelings. You do keep in touch with your friends. You do let yourself be happier. Being you removes regrets from your life. Authenticity removes regrets from your life. Uh, Here are a few additional observations from, uh, the nurse's name was uh, Bronnie, that were shared in the Guardian. And notice how they relate to authenticity. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. This was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to say how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honoured even a half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to choices they had made or not made. Many people suppressed their feelings in order to keep peace with others. As a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. Many developed illnesses relating to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result. I wish that I had let myself be happier. This is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content. When deep within, they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. Uh... The one part that I was looking for um, as I mentioned was when Neil was going on dates and he wouldn't really hold back on his authentic self whether it was being silly or an interest in something that perhaps might be interpreted as nerdy. This is just an example. I'm not sure if that's what he used in his example. But he found that it was in those moments that he would or would not often find common ground and was often the basis of kind of furthering uh, their relationship or, or or dating. And so it's a, it's a good reminder that If you're into something, again, that's not hurting anyone or yourself, but you're perhaps ashamed of it or you're apprehensive to reveal that side of you, it's almost like, would you rather give up that thing that you enjoy so much just so that you can date this other person for whatever reason? It's almost like sacrificing yourself. Or a part of yourself, so that you can um, you could you could be dating someone. Um, there is another book that I am still uh, reading. It's by Cleo Wade. It's called uh, Heart Talk. This is a poem. It's called It's All Beautiful. Why should I believe in flaws? Because there is one way that we are all supposed to look because someone is selling me something to make me look more like someone else. So a company can profit off not profit off of not only my money, but also my self esteem. Because as long as there is a standard of beauty, one type of person can be celebrated while the rest of us are left out. Wanting, starving, shaming, and hating our beautiful bodies. Why should I believe in flaws? Whoever created the concept does not believe in me. Let us no longer embrace our flaws. We have none. I am me, me, you are you. It's all beautiful. That again was a poem by Cleo Wade in her book, Heart Talk, which is really beautiful as the last sentence of the poem goes, it's all beautiful that we're often brainwashed almost by uh, social media, by um, the major media outlets that bombard us with their standard of what is beautiful. Albeit there is a shift and certainly there's several campaigns that are changing this narrative. There's still some, um, monopoly, I would say, amongst the major media outlets. Uh, and we see that and, um, take any 10 advertisements and you'll see a consistency with, uh, the models within those 10 advertisements. But again, to be your authentic self is to love and accept and understand that every part of you is beautiful, regardless of what anyone tells you. And to step into your authentic self is to accept who you are. And it's not to, it's not, it's not more like, um, accept is not the right word. I guess embrace and there's nothing wrong with improvement. Um, that reminds me of a famous quote by Jack Cornfield, and uh, one of his uh, podcast episodes. He goes, um, I think it was either him or Ram Dass that asked their respective guru or teacher, um, you know, like, like how, how is everything perfect and okay? You know, when we have all these problems or something along those lines, I'm probably butchering it, but this master or guru says, you're perfect with room for improvement. And I found that so uh, humorous as well as true. So it's like, yeah, some of us are overweight. Yeah, some of us should be reading more or eating better or, uh, you know, utilizing our time better. But, you know, there's reasons why we resort to some of those uh, modes of escape, right? To give our mind or body some peace of mind or relief from whatever it is that we should be doing or have to be doing. And then it's a lot easier, especially for me, from my experience. I remember when I would procrastinate on something, it would build all this tension and stress and I would, it would just be on the top of my mind and I would do everything and anything to avoid doing it. And it wasn't until I would let go of those thoughts of procrastination, not wanting to do it, knowing that I have to do it and just let it be. Okay. I'm not going to do that. And almost, as soon as I think that, I immediately address it. It's so strange. I don't know why that happens. Um, There was another quote, uh, or rather poem, I really wanted to share uh, from Cleo Wade and uh, from her book, Heart Talk. It goes, the day I came home and turned on the light. To those who did not treat me well, and for some reason... Wondered why I left. It is because I remembered that I loved myself more than I loved the idea of an us. It is because I remembered I was worth more than you could ever give. It is because I realized I did not need you because I had me. The day I came home and turned the light on. And may your first love last forever. P.S. You are your first love. Take care of yourself. So it's to be your authentic self doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make a lot of mistakes and there's going to be times in your life where you're going to be trying harder than usual that you may even regret later that day, week or month or year and ask yourself, why was I trying so hard? Uh, We've all been there. I've been there, but It's okay because for whatever reason, in that moment, you felt the need to try hard or you felt the need to perhaps step out of your comfort zone and be someone that you're not, perhaps to appease someone or impress someone. And that's, that's all normal. It's understanding the psychology around why you did that or what was the moments leading up to that moment that triggered, um, that, that shift in your, in the way you thought and recognizing those really small steps because in every situation, there's almost an explanation. You could almost bring it down to math. That's a whole other conversation. I'm not going to go there, but the sooner you embrace your weaknesses as well as your strengths, the sooner you'll be able to identify what it is that your weaknesses are. And from there, if you choose to improve upon, right? Because you're perfect the way you are. With Room for Improvement. Um, so on that note, I just want to remind you all that, um, there's a lot of, uh, unrest, understandably, a lot of people are struggling to figure out where they're going to find their next meal because of the shutdown as, um, many countries are starting to uh, reopen. I think it's really important that we recognize the sacrifices we all made for the most vulnerable. Um, My uncle always reminded me growing up that it's whatever it is that I do, respect my elders. And I think that the fact that the majority of um, the, the deaths from COVID-19 are the elderly, the fact that we shut down world economies uh, to perhaps um, alleviate possible further uh, devastation amongst our grandparents, our parents, is... it, It makes me... It makes me think that someone somewhere has had such a large influence that entire countries have shut down um, completely, in many ways, to save um, those that are most vulnerable, and I, I think that's a a great a great point to remember when this pandemic is over, um, because like anything, it's gonna pass. Um, now, do I think we? should um, not reopen? No. I definitely think we need to start taking more measurable steps to reopen um, because our capitalistic system depends on that. Um, Until we come up with an alternative system where we're able to self-sustain, we we need to start to reopen uh, businesses, but responsibly and, and measured. Um, I think that's really important. I know, um, watching uh, the Joe Rogan podcast um, on YouTube, he's really frustrated with um, the the California governor. For not allowing people to reopen and especially with the the list of items that are permitted but you ask Joe Rogan what he thinks of people and he'll be the first to tell you that they're dumb including himself and to leave it to the populace to make their own decisions I think we both know how that's going to turn out, right? So this measured approach with the slow lifting of the shutdown, in my opinion, is far better than to just open the floodgates and allow people to just, like a switch, go back to what was once considered a normal life. Because as soon as that happens, people are people are not going to take the measured approach to socially distance. Uh, I know um, Joe Rogan's a big fan of jujitsu. I don't think, um, you know, rolling um, in jujitsu is necessarily the most responsible idea. Sure, if you test everyone, I get it. But, how many businesses, how many places have have tests that are available, right? There's, you got to have these measured precautions, safeguards put into place because we already see people during the shutdown that are choosing to have these large gatherings. Anyways, that's my rant on that. Um, I just hope that You're all taking the necessary precautions to focus on strengthening your immunity, self-care, and checking in on those you love. That's really what's going to get us through the situation. So, be your authentic self. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate your support. And I will catch you next week.